The Duke is back live on Twitch. We are live. What's going on, everybody? It's Mitch, joined by the one and only Dr. Jen Welter on the show today. We are going to discuss Julio, where you gonna go? The wide receiver, the Hall of Famer, the future Hall of Famer, I should say, is on his way out of Atlanta, and we're gonna talk about where he may end up. We're also going to discuss Tom Brady chirping Aaron Rodgers on Twitter, which was absolutely hilarious. But first, Jen, how you doing? You know, I'm doing good, Mitch. It's always good to join you and talk some football. You know, I think, what do you know, Julio, where are you going to go is a very good place to start because, you know, it cuts straight to the heart. We know that this is you know, we say it's football family, but it is a football business. And you see that very clearly at this time of the year and with a lot of conversations going on right now. You know, I, I heard that Julio kind of has a little for your man Cam and the Patriots. Is that true? Yeah, Julio actually, apparently there was a report. See, this is the thing that I hate about the NFL. I don't think Julio came out and said this. But there is a report that suggested that Julio would love to play with Cam Newton. And it was later solidified that that may be the case because his two teams on his list, Jen, are the Patriots and the Titans. I can confirm that Julio and Cam are friends. That I can confirm. They do have a picture together. I do not have a picture with Julio, but I do have a picture with Cam. And Julio was at Cam Newton's kickball tournament. It's where all the ballers go. Um, So I have, I've seen them kick balls together, if that counts. I remember hearing them talk when Julio was still with the Falcons and Cam was with the Panthers on how much they would love to coach together so or play together. So it is great to hear that there is the possibility that that could happen. Um, Cause I know, boy, oh boy, I remember Cam said, oh, I wish I had you as a target. And he's like, I wish to play with you. So that, that love definitely is existing between them. That's interesting. I'd like to dive into that a little bit. Is it, so obviously Cam's from Atlanta and Julio played for the Atlanta Falcons. So that must be sort of the connection a little bit. Obviously they saw each other twice a year for a pretty long time in the NFL, Carolina, Atlanta. Do, do you know at all what that connection is or is it just kind of like the brotherhood of the NFL? Um, you know, I think it's a lot of the brotherhood and it's also really how guys are when they're at the top end. There's a lot of respect. And, you know, when it comes to those, those big charity events, guys show up for each other. You know, they go and have each other's back in different locations. And, you know, it'll be like, hey, I've got my charity. You've got yours. I've got my camp. You've got yours. And that's what good friends do at that level. So I know that's why Julio was in North Carolina when we were at the kickball tournament. And so it's great to see that that will, you know, that that could potentially happen in New England as well. Yeah. So let's, I guess, start with the New England possibility then for Julio. Do you think it's a good fit just football wise? And do you think it would be a success? Um, You know, your guy, dollar dollar bill is, is throwing in to win this year, right? He is not happy with how things were last year. He's not going to let that go down again. And so, yeah, do I think it, 
it could be a good one. I mean, gosh, yeah, we know Bill Belichick likes guys who are really smart football players and that he can use in different ways. I think um, we've also seen him pick up some of those, those big time receivers from other teams and really put them in a position that, that highlighted their success. I think, you know, we've seen Julio get a little bit injured. That's the the thing that you can worry about. But I think that he wants the ball more. I think he wants to be a marquee person. And I don't think he wants to go anywhere where he doesn't believe that the team is close to being a championship team, right? If Julio is going to go somewhere, he wants to go somewhere that he feels like can win and that he can be a major piece of that winning equation. He wants to win. He wants to win big and he wants to put up big numbers to basically, you know, say the Falcons couldn't get it done and Falc you, I'm off to the next one. Yeah. There's been some tension between Julio and the organization there with the Falcons, because I think it stems back a couple of years ago, just contract wise and negotiations kind of fallen through. They haven't treated him the best in terms of that, even though he's been their best player for a very long time. There was some shade thrown at Matt Ryan a little bit saying that maybe Julio said that Matt Ryan lost a little bit of zip on his deep ball. So I don't know what that, and then there are other people saying like, well, if you, if you're worried about that, maybe you should be worried about Cam Newton throwing you the ball so that, you know, they're just thrown shade everywhere. Can we throw some more passes and throw some less shade? Can we do that? Yes, let's do that. I think with New England. Because that that would be much more well-received in my book. Yeah, I mean, who knows? That's mostly the people on Twitter talking, you know, the trolls talking about Cam Newton. But there are some reports suggesting that Julio has said that about Matt Ryan, that he believes that Matt Ryan's closer to the end. So with New England, you know, in terms of that fit, obviously it's the one piece I think in New England that still remains is that, number one wide receiver. They, they don't have that player, you know, as much as they've added to the tight end group and they've, they've added, in my opinion, two top tight ends and they've added receivers who can play with Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. They don't have the number one alpha dog wide receiver. Who's just one-on-one. You can just throw it up, see if he can make a play or he's just going to demand a double team. And that would make everyone so much better. It's kind of, I would think, we always hear this comparison, you know, especially as, as, as a Patriot fan, I always hear this thing is like, when's the next Randy Moss coming about? And, and people, you know, don't understand that Randy Moss was pretty good at football. So the, the next Randy Moss doesn't really just come around, but this is really the next Randy Moss, Julio Jones, who I think still has two to three seasons left of elite play. So, I mean, that is a guy that Belichick it, would say, you know, he's double teamed him his whole career when they've played. When that guy gains that double, it's going to make Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith and everyone else better, Jen. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to respect him with that. Um, And so I think that you will see that dynamic. If they can bring him into New England, there's going to be a lot of things that they can do with that offense and opening up that playbook that they haven't been before. And let's not forget that, you know, he is not only that number one guy, but he's also a physical specimen who can and will like get involved in the other other elements of the games, unlike some true number ones that you're like, hey, did you see that that was right next to you? No, no, no. Like 
when Julio is a competitor in every every facet of his game. So whatever he can do to make his team better, he will do. And putting that into the Patriots with the Josh McDaniels offense, I think it it goes nicely. But, he, you know, he could also do really well in Tennessee, and I could see why he would yeah. like that as well. There are a lot of good elements there in Tennessee. And, you know, that run game is going to be big time, which means if those linebackers have to start stacking the box and you have to put more people there, then you're less likely to be able to have those double, double teams on your receivers. And so you could see him get open there. And we do know that that team is poised to punch some teams in the mouth. Yeah. I think there's give and take with both situations in terms of there's pros. If you were to go to new England and there's pros, if you were to go to Tennessee, I think the pros, if you were to go to new England is obviously the coach and is obviously the relationship with cam. And then just, I think more relevancy in terms of like being in on the Patriots is just, I think more high profile, bigger deal. And you know, they're going to compete every year with the Titans as you're alluding to, I think the big thing for me is not just the running game where it's going to take stress off Julio, but having another legitimate number one wide receiver and AJ Brown, who's a lot like Julio in some ways, you know, fast, big physical, like, can take stress off of Julio Jones as he ends his career, right? He doesn't have to be that guy every game in the next two to three years. And Tannehill, I would say, is is a consistent passer. He's been a very good quarterback the last two years, and they've been a playoff team the last couple of years. So there's, I would say, you know, pros, cons to both. And depending on where Julio would want to go and depending on which team would want to make the move, I think that really comes down for everything here is Tennessee, as last time I checked, they only have a few million dollars in cap space. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work. They'd have to maneuver some cap and maneuver some players around. But it does feel like that is one of their missing pieces right now because they lost Corey Davis and they lost Johnny Smith to New England. They need that target for Tannehill to go on the other side of A.J. Brown. Yep, agreed. And I think the one thing we have to remember too is it's also very important when the blood gets so bad that if they got to go, they got to go. And in that situation, the fresh blood, right? Like the new offense, the feeling reinvigorated with the new, you know, whether it's a new quarterback or a new coach, those things can really, really raise someone's career. And he's been a good guy. And remember, I mean, the Falcons did have a productive offense. So it's not just that. There's another element that Julio has said, I got to go. Um, because, you know, and they struggled with that before when he thought he was worth more money and they weren't signing him. And I mean, then that was a narrative years ago. So was that ever truly repaired? And if he goes somewhere else, could you maybe see him go back to being that dog again and really, really like going to from like Julio who's steady to, oh no, Julio, how's it going to go? And I think that he's at that point. And, um, he has everything to prove. Yeah, it's like that veteran motivation, like that extra edge as you need a newfound chip on your shoulder sort of thing to go somewhere else and to prove to everybody that you're still this guy. Because for a long time, it was basically Julio and Antonio Brown as like the two best receivers in the league. Like, who, who did you want to pick? Pick your poison kind of thing for a long time. And then the last couple of years, you know, some other guys have gone up the list and Julio's had some dealings with injuries and Atlanta has kind of lost their way as a franchise. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you're saying there's something else there 
besides, you know, just the contract. I think a lot of it is just, it looks like Atlanta's almost in rebuild mode. Like they're almost there. And for Julio to sacrifice his last couple of years as like a top dog wide receiver, you know, like it's just, it's the right decision to want to go elsewhere. And in my opinion. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that I agree that Atlanta's fully in rebuild mode yet. Um, That's the only thing I would push back on with you, Mitch, because they stayed with Matty ice because they believe their offense was productive. They have a new defense in the building, right? Like, and now you put pits in there. So they may not have felt that Julio was where they needed the money because their cap space isn't that good. So he may have seen that his receptions would go down. His usage would be different. And was he valued there though? But I do think that the Falcons believe that they are close to being really good because if you look at the numbers, their offense put up last year, they were devastating. Their defense couldn't hold water, but their offense put up big numbers. I mean, those, there were those games when they were up and they were far up and then lost them because they couldn't hold the lead. So they're not a team that doesn't have some real, real upside. And looking at what Terry Fontenot has done from the GM position, now we have a whole new coaching staff. I think they're going to be reinvigorated. And Julio may not have liked where they were going with him, right? Or he saw a little bit of the writing on the wall in terms of some of the dollars that they're dealing with. Yeah, Julio Jones, just looking at his numbers right now, played nine games last year. So that was the big problem. Before that, played 15, 16, 16, 14, 16, 15. So he was pretty consistent in terms of injuries there. His his yards per game was still good, yep. 85.7, but lower than usual where he's around 90 to 100 per game, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, and you're spot on, right? Like that, that hamstring... He's a tough guy. He tried to play through it several times and you could see it, but you could see that he just couldn't. And Jen, I would say that if you're on a team that's winning, you maybe try to go out even with that hamstring at 65%, like Mike Evans last year, he's still out there because Tom Brady's his quarterback and because you know, he can win when, you know, Julio, he's like, ah, my team's four and six. Like, yeah. But he did try and go a couple of times and you could see that he couldn't go. And I think that's when it really got a little bit more painful, right? Like he'd be in a little bit and then he had to go out again and probably, you know, attempting to do that, rush the injury and maybe ended up prolonging it. I will say, I'm looking at these stats again. He did have his career high for yards per target and for catch percentage, which is like catches per target. Yeah. 75% of the time he caught the ball. So like when he played, he was still very, very, very efficient. But like you said, with Calvin Ridley, you know, really getting a lot better in Atlanta, he lost some of those targets and then the injuries obviously played a role, but it's going to be very fascinating to see. Maybe let's go through the scenario. So if he were to go to the Titans, how much better does it make the Titans? And and how do you look at them in your eyes? Um, You know, the Titans are really interesting to me. They are. I, I, th- I still think you're going to, uh, let's look at it through the, you know, wide receivers eyes. They're still going to feature the back, right? You've got to, you have absolutely got to. So what are you looking at? You're looking at if the back is getting that large number of carries, which he will, then we have to assume that he's going to make his decision on his ability to be a number one target. Because if he's not a number one target on a feature back team, with somebody like Derrick Henry, who's carrying the ball that much, 
then his numbers may not be as impressive or as team shifting, right? If I could say that, like as they could be somewhere else. Whereas in New England, does he have more of an opportunity to be that guy? Really depends on the utilization. So it's going to be hard to see how much one versus the other right now, because we don't know what their plans are in terms of featuring them. But either place, he could really upgrade them. But like you said, if Tennessee is in trouble in terms of cap space, then it may be harder for them. And knowing that New England is going to be restructuring their offense just because they have to for a number of reasons. They have that many new guys. They really need to put Cam in a position for success. Then does somebody who's so dominant become more of a factor and a stabilizing person on the roster because there's so much turnover, right? Like, are we looking at Julio? Can he be that guy for a team um, and help them transition to being back into contention? So this kind of reminds me of, of the 2007 offseason with the Patriots. So they, in 2006, quick history lessons, they went to the AFC Championship and they lost to the Colts who ended up winning the Super Bowl. They were winning that game by a lot and end up choking it away. Anyways. Story is that they did not have any receivers that year. Their number one receiver that year was Rishay Caldwell. Okay, so they, they went into the offseason in 2007. They added Wes Welker, Dante Stallworth, Randy Moss, and then they go on that historic run in 2007. But Randy Moss was almost like a addition that we didn't see coming. It was just like, a, okay, let's like get Randy Moss because it's Randy Moss. Like that's what the Julio edition would feel like. It's like, the Patriots have tried to already solve it in this case with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and the guys they signed, but like it's Julio Jones. So let's just go out there and get the guy. And then it just kind of exponentially upgrades. But then the other thing with the Patriots is Mac Jones too, has to be taken into account. So like having that guy for your rookie or for a second year pro, whatever it may be, for the next couple of years is going to be massive to his early development, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And, you know, if they're looking at Mac Jones as being the long-term strategy, then as Julio Jones, okay, that's going to get confusing, really. Like, are we going to have Jones to Jones? Yeah, the Jones, Jones Square. I got Jones. I got Jones. Like, I'm Jonesing for Jones in New England. Like, it could be a whole thing. Uh, please don't get any more. I'll be like, whiplash right they do have jonathan jones on defense right like drop the <laughs> mic can we get creative can we have another name but to have a receiver like julio jones to be able to be that guy that you know mac jones can target and know that it's not just about the receiver being able to do it but one of those guys who's making a 75 percent catch ratio that helps a lot that means it doesn't have to be perfect to count and that is a a great point mitch and definitely something that new england should consider and to be honest and i know you're a new england fan so you'll you'll love this i see new england being a better landing spot as long as we can keep the egos out the building right because having too many of those can sometimes be friction but like well i i don't think Julio has ever been a guy to be profiled as an ego guy. Like I, this is the thing with me. I think he legitimately feels like he wants to go somewhere he can win. And, and whether that's Tennessee or new England, I think he wants to go the best place where he has a chance to win a super bowl or just have a deep run in the playoffs or whatever it is. Like, 
I've never seen Julio that way. Uh, maybe it's because of his quiet persona. Like, and, and all I was going to say is when I say like, if we can keep the egos out of the building, I'm not yeah. saying that I'm saying he's a guy who's driven by ego or any of those things. What I'm saying is when you get that many big personas in any one locker room, right? Yeah. It's all about, are we putting me as an individual first? Or are we putting us first? And I'm a big part of that, right? And so when you also have a lot of new talent coming in at the same time, it's less established, if you will. Right. They have to buy in at the same time. Right. Everybody's coming in at the same time. So that's that's what I mean by that. It's nothing against Julio at all. It's just thinking about how many new signings are coming into New England and how much different it's going to be this year than it was last year. Right. I think there is a difference in Tennessee too. And that's the difference at offensive coordinator because the offensive coordinator from last year is the head coach of Atlanta, Arthur Smith. Yeah. So, and he's been really good for Tennessee and what they've done with Derrick Henry and what they've done with AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill, especially with his development into a really good quarterback going from Miami to Tennessee. So the biggest question for me for Tennessee is I see, like if we're talking fantasy here, I think the better outcome is him going to Tennessee. Okay. Cause I, I think even though they run the ball a lot, it's a funnel of two receivers getting the ball constantly, but in new England, it's going to be the two tight ends. It's going to be three, four receivers. James White's going to get his cam's going to run the ball. And, you know, they want to run the ball a lot as well. So like, it's going to be more about the team outcome. If Julio goes to new England, than I think the individual outcome where maybe at the end of the day, we're looking at him in new England where it's like, okay, he only caught 72 passes, but it was for, 1100 yards because a lot of them were big plays but i don't i don't see him having that pure volume which may actually be helpful to him at this point but i don't know right and really a lot of that depends on just how how healthy is he is that hamstring back 100 yeah can he carry that number one workload or do we want to strategically you know use him and ultimately does he believe that the upside of the Patriots is Patriots can win another, another championship, right? Can they take a division title or does he see that more in Tennessee? Because I, I really do think that is important to him. I think it really is like, he's done a lot of things as an individual, but like, can we win it as a team? Yeah. The clearer path for me is, is going to that AFC South where I think the top dog spot is wide open. A lot of people like Indianapolis, but I'm not exactly sold. And obviously Buffalo's in the AFC East. So you'd have to get past Buffalo if you're the Patriots. So let's end it with this. If, the, if it's not Tennessee, if it's not New England, I know we just spent a bunch of time, time talking about it and it does feel like it's those two teams. But if it's not one of those two teams and some team comes out of nowhere to make a great offer for Julio Jones, do you have an idea of that team or who it could be? Well, D-Hop said he would restructure his contract to get Julio, so. A lot of people are saying that. Right. Like, I mean, if you're D hop and you said you would restructure your contract to go into Arizona, that could be very interesting and very powerful. What do you think about Julio, you know, staying with the birds, but just going out West? Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, honestly, it makes sense a little bit because they've been adding all these veterans, you know, borderline hall of fame talents. You know, they added AJ green, who was in the same draft class as Julio. They added JJ Watt. And they have 
basically a team that looks like they want to win right now. Kyler Murray needs that other uh, number two or number one wide receiver. So they've been after a wide receiver. I mean, it would make sense. I don't know what their cap situation is like, but I just, it feels like that's not likely, but I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think there's a couple other teams that come to mind. I I'll say this. I don't think Julio would go there, but I know John Gruden would be interested. So I'll put that one out there. He needs a lot, right? He needs a lot. Kyle Shanahan also said that he wouldn't close the door on Julio. Right. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a place where Julio would buy in, but right. I do too. Cause San Francisco is a team that could tip over and tip very quickly. Imagine Julio Jones and George Kittle on the same team. <laughs> I mean, it's nasty. Like it really is yeah. like San Francisco is poised to be the team that we really thought they'd be last year, right? Let's not forget that last year was determined really by the injuries, not the capability of that roster. So for sure. I will say lastly here that again, the Colts need to make some sort of big move. And I don't know if Julio would put them on the list, but like they were a playoff team last year. They need a number one receiver. It just makes sense but it just feels like the Colts are the most conservative team in the NFL and they never try to make these type of moves. Right. All right. Well, after the break, let us know first in the comments what you think of Julio, where you think he's going to go, New England, Tennessee, any other team. We will discuss the match part two. Number two, Tom Brady already shooting his shot and already just making fun of Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that after the break. Let's go. Okay, we're back. Anyways, we were just discussing the match number one and number two. So the first match was Tom Brady and Mickelson taking on Woods and Peyton. And it, for me, it was pretty cool because, you know, I grew up with the Tom Peyton rivalry. And obviously, there's a Tiger Mickelson rivalry in golf. So that was a pretty cool crossover to see because we've never quite seen anything like that live televised, a big sporting event. It was perfect during the COVID season where there is not a lot on as we were talking about with the last dance. So this time around, they're doing it again because it was so successful. So it's going to be Rogers versus Brady this time taking their talents to the golf course. Jen, what do you think? Oh, I love it. I mean, this, this is fantastic. If you can't do it on the football field, then let's do it on the golf course. But can we can we please make sure that we don't have pants that rip in the process? Or <laughs> we could even do it one better. You know, those ones with the buttons up the side? Like, just give everybody that moment and just whoop. Um, and you might win before you even start it. Because if they do that, I mean, the TV ratings are already off the charts good. And no one will even care if they can golf or not. Tom Brady's already building the hype. He tweeted, two old guys against the young bucks. Better get used to laying up because we know Aaron Rodgers isn't going for it. Ooh. He tweeted that earlier. He also, on Instagram, this was my favorite one, put a picture, the Packers kicking a field goal down seven, and that is Aaron Rodgers. So Tom Brady is already taking his shots as Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you saw the pictures, but he's out. He's on vacation, living his best life. I mean, I, you know, I'm here for it. Like if Tom Brady's smack game is that good 
on the golf course, then I certainly expect the old guys to take this one. Obviously, Mickelson has been doing his thing. Brady did his. Like, they must feel like the goats of like the goatdom, right? Like they must feel like we the old goat, you the baby goat, even though Aaron Rodgers isn't that young, but still um, if he is going that in, like he is at that, you know, that time in your life when there's no filter anymore. Yeah. Like I remember when my Nana got to no filter mode and I would just be like, she said that out loud, but you couldn't tell her anything. So apparently Tom Brady has gotten to that point in his career. Yeah, it feels like, Honestly, Tampa Bay has like unleashed Tom's personality. Like we haven't seen him make all these jokes or anything like this or just act this way. I mean, he was drunk at the Super Bowl parade. Like when's the last time we saw that? No, and I, you know, I do say that that is probably a whole lot of, you know, the atmosphere that they've created in Tampa Bay. It is a whole lot of, you know, the fact that Bruce Arians really does have a good time and like for his guys to be themselves. I don't know. I I feel like I've told you this, but I may not have, Mitch. Bruce Arians always talks about reading a guy's eyes, and he credits his ability for reading different players' eyes to his time as a bartender. And, you know, saying that you had to be able to look at a guy and understand him. And he was a longtime bartender. And that's where where he credits a lot of his different strategies in terms of player relations. So it's not hard for me to think that it would be okay for your quarterback to have more personality. It's not hard for me to think that, you know, he was like, Tom, it's okay. You, you can have a margarita one day. Maybe don't throw the trophy, but if you do uh, – I know that you can afford to hire a submarine to go back down and get it. So I'm not really worried about it. They would have probably had scuba team six down there in like 3.2 seconds. But that is a lot of what's really cool about Bruce Arians is he is a guy who has a good time and he is very personable, always has been known as a player's coach. So um, I think that that has allowed Tom Brady to like maybe loosen up a bit. Yeah. Jen. If you had a match and you needed a partner and you needed opponents, who's your partner and who are you taking on? Who's my partner for golf? Yeah. Well, I'm going with the guy who just win, Mickelson. Give me that. You know, I think I would distract Tiger Woods too much. I don't think he should play co-ed golf. He doesn't have the, uh, (laughs) I don't think he has the reputation. Oh, shots fired. I mean, it's true. But honestly, who do I think I'd be best matched with to play golf with? Let's go. Let's go vintage. Let's go. Okay. Happy Gilmore. Oh, I like that pick. I'm a way more happy Gilmore kind of gal than I am, you know, Shooter McGavin. So you would take on Shooter? For sure, why not? <laughs> Who would Shooter's partner be? Um, Pete Manning. <laughs> no, um, who would Shooter's partner be? What would be fair? Um, Cause Peyton's actually a good golfer and I'm not. So, uh, but, ha- but Happy and I are gonna be the crowd favorites. That's what I'm going well, for. Well, hey, as long as you can just putt, you know, you might do well because- I can putt. Good. I, I have played many a celebrity scramble and I tell them all I'm good for the drive and I'm good for the putt. Oh, and I'm also an advantage because they put me at the girly tees and they under, underestimate the women. So sometimes that girly tee placement can actually be like around a corner, which yeah. means I don't really have to hit a great shot for us to have had a combined really good lay. So I am actually a very good partner for some of those scrambles. So I'm definitely with Happy Gilmore. And, and we're going to take on Shooter McGavin and... 
I don't know who would who would his partner be. I'm struggling with that. Who would be the perfect matchup? Because they'd have to be very uptight. Baker Mayfield. Just because you love Baker so yes, much. Yes, I, I love it. I think that's perfect, Mitch. I'm going with we're we're playing against Baker Baker Maker, the commercial maker, and I'm gonna send the aliens to send him on the wrong course so that Baker is distracted picking up Reese's pieces going in the wrong direction. So I have about five minutes left here live. I do want to talk about Adam Vinatieri, who just recently retired earlier today live on the Pat McAfee show, which is an interesting way to retire. I think that's a good way to go out. Adam Vinatieri, four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time with the Patriots, one-time with the Colts, three-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and the NFL's all-time leader in points. To me, the greatest kicker of all time, clutch as can be, just some of the most epic kicks of all time. I mean, the one that everyone talks about is in the blizzard versus the Raiders in that divisional game, which was crazy, but he made a couple game winners in the Super Bowl. To me, the greatest kicker of all time, to me, a hall of famer. Jen, what are your thoughts on Adam Vinatieri? I cannot wait for Adam Vinatieri to join Morton Anderson in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And if you don't know Morton Anderson, Morton Anderson could also be on the like party of four for me and Happy Gilmore playing golf because Morton Anderson is hilarious. That dude is amazing. If you have not ever seen his Hall of Fame induction speech, go watch it. It's hilarious. But the dude is off the charts cool. I met him when he got inducted and I can't remember a time when Adam Vinatieri wasn't playing football. I know. Jen, get this. He actually started his career when I was born. Right. You know, I mean, it's iconic. It's amazing. It is really a testament to hard work and dedication and the true leader and champion that he is. Um, He's given us some of the most iconic kicking moments in the history of the National Football League. And... You know, most people don't think about a kicker until the game's on the line, right? Like you don't think about them until it's either they miss something and something happens or they make it and the game is won. And he has done that more than anyone we can think of. And I hate to think of him retiring because it also at the same time blows my mind because I'm like, wait, he's allowed to retire, right? Like, yep. No, no, that is, no. that is legal. It's allowed. Right. It's, you know, he, what a, what an amazing career he's had, obviously first ballot hall of famer and one who just sets the standard for what a kicker can and should be. Yeah. Bill Belichick. I remember reading a book about Patriots and in 01, he actually said that Adam Vinatieri was the best player on the Patriots Super Bowl winning team, which could be the case for the first three Super Bowl winning teams. But the thing is, is how rare is that? Like that a coach would say that his kicker is the best player on a Super Bowl championship team. So that speaks to how great Adam Vinatieri and how consistent, most importantly for a kicker, he was throughout the course of his career. So we are so grateful that you tune in um, week after week to the Juke. Obviously we have moved to live on Twitch. 
I am your, I don't know, voice, your jukes and jokes, Dr. Jen Welter. Uh, Mitch checked out on us a little earlier because he is so in demand. And you have Matthew Davidson uh, keeping us running and making us look good behind the scenes. So please make sure that you like, comment, follow, share, do all those things, subscribe, so that we know you are here with us and that you will get notified when we go online, as well as please let us know in chat or DMs or on Twitter what you loved, what you'd like more of, and how we can get you to engage with us even further. Thank you again for another episode of The Juke. We are out of here.